listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers are the Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about? Hi there, about? and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth, and my name is John Teague. Uh, yesterday I had the good fortune of talking to Kara Betrami. She is the, um, well, she's from Rest Easy Hypnotherapy and her story to become a hypnotherapist is, is quite a journey. Um, you know, she definitely has lived, you know. Um, and we all are living. Um, this is why we're listening. You've got to be alive to listen to the horse's mouth. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like some people seem to get a, a whole pass. It seems on the outside. And then some people, you know, really um, struggle in life uh, on so many levels. And, you know, some people make it through their struggles. Some don't. And, and, and that's what makes this whole thing such a trip without acid. Um, so, you know, had a great talk to Kara um, about her own journey and, 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 and what has brought her to um, starting up Rest Easy Hypnotherapy and, um, and I'll let you enjoy her story uh, without me banging on about it too much more. Um, so, uh, massive shout out here to One Agency Surf Coast, um, Torquay, uh, Oe, Chris, Olivia, Kelly, Dave, um, Oe, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate the shout out through the week. Um, always enjoy, you know, a shout out or someone flicking me a message and, uh, and, and letting me know that they're out there listening and enjoying. So that's always, uh, you know, always puts a little pep in my step. Um, so thanks guys. Um, what else? What else? It's April. Usually April I'm filled with dread. Um, you know, where, uh, winter is coming, you know, I feel like I'm in fucking game of Thrones and April you just get and you're like, fuck, but this April it's been epic. No surf comp. The town seems pretty chill. Um, you know, look, I, I feel badly that we're in a pandemic. It's not funny. The fucking don't laugh, John. Um, uh, we're in a pandemic, and it's it's bad. You know, financially around the world, and and from from a health perspective, things are shit. But in the little bubble that I'm in, in ISO here, ISO land. It's April and it's been beautiful, you know. Um, the town's been ease at ease because there's been no comp. Um, we've had some great waves. I don't know how they haven't taken surfing from us. <laughs> like, honestly, it's been so fucking random what they say you can and can't do and we must have flown pretty close to the wind. Is that the saying? Um, to the storm uh, because, I don't know, we got away with it so far. Um, and it feels like it's easing. It feels like it's easing. It's eased in my mind, definitely. And whether that's, um, part of me just completely tuning out from the mainstream media or not, uh, I don't know, but, um, if, in my mind, it feels like it's easing. So, um... Anyway, I won't bang on too much more. Thank you so much for listening, whoever you are out there, and I hope you enjoy my chat with Kara. All right, I'll see you on the other side. 
Ciao. You think this is, is interesting? Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. And did you guys go through school together? Mm-mm. We went to primary school, but with high school, my sister always knew she wanted to be a lawyer. Ever since she knew what a lawyer was, yeah. she was like, that's me. And so my parents took her to a school which was, you know, like a girls' school, private school. Yeah. And I was kind of music inclined and arty. Yeah. So they went, oh, you're going to go to a different school. Oh, they catered to the um, needs. Yeah. That's very, um, well, that's nice of your parents. Yeah, it was interesting until they kind of, I had a hard time in year 10 and I left that school. I went to four different high schools. Hold on. Uh, what happened? Oh, so hold on. So primary school, then you, you were doing music and smooth sailing, and so you, what were you aspiring to be? A music, uh, you know, a rock star? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to do piano lessons, and I had this teacher, Helen, and she would play me songs for me to learn, and she would play different songs. On the piano and there would just be like, you know, like the kids' songs and there were like major chords and it's all really nice and perfect. And then she'd play me something like Beethoven or Liszt and I'd just be like, oh, yeah. And she's like, you, you're going to learn that. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it was always the dark side. It was always music that was, there was something really deep about it. And I responded very, very viscerally to it as a child. And did you pick up on the Beethoven and things like that? You could he do it? He is my first crush. So obviously you've, you're touched in the musical sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so um, how were you academically also? Mm, kind of a good all-rounder, I'd say. Hmm. Nothing special. And, um, and so, okay, let's drill in and what happened in year 10. Well... I think I – it was an interesting time, like I think kind of discovering boys and going through puberty. I grew up really and developed very quickly. So my year 10, I was pretty much the same size I am now. And I had really big breasts and I had a – Operation and breast reduction. Mm. And I copped a lot of shit for that. Like I was the girl that was picked on. Mm. And the stuff people would say was just awful. Like it just destroyed me. Mm-hmm. So that was a really hard time. Yeah. Yeah, kids are fucked. Yeah, right. Mm. And I think it had been happening for so long, like since I was 10 pretty much. By the time I was in year 10... You were cooked. Fully cooked. Mm. Like such low self-esteem and so fragile. Mm. Yeah, it was really hard. Yes, that's school bullying. It, uh, I copped a bit in year grade 6 and it, it fucked me up for a really, really long time too. I, okay. I can relate to it. Um, so you left year 10 and... Uh, went to a different school yeah. and no one knew? 
No, but my parents sent me to a Christian school. Uh, I lasted six months. Why? (laughs) Why? What happened? (laughs) Oh, they just, they hated me. Just, they hated me from the moment they met me. They hated me and I hated them. Were they nuns? No. What were they? Oh, just teachers. Yeah, the teachers. Yeah. And... They used to say the most awful things like you're going to go to hell. Do you know that you're aligned with Satan? All this bullshit. Like I know I wasn't brought up to believe in any particular religion. Um, And it was just the vitriol was just awful. And they couldn't tolerate my development, like my physical development. They just did not know what to do. And were you still holding on to music as a release? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. By that stage it was just like music was my everything. Yeah. It was just everything I did. And so six months into that school you went to another school? Yeah. So I went to Eltham College. Yeah. And the reason why I went to that school was because they had art, music, photography. No, they didn't have photography. Art, music, media and... Yeah, and I lasted there for one year. So you're slowly working your way through (laughs) (laughs) the last three years. (laughs) What happened at this one? They didn't have photography. Oh, and you were really, yeah, okay, that was a deal breaker. So Fair enough, fuck you. Photography was a huge part of my year 11 and 12. Totally, right? Mm. And so I'd never done photography before and I said to my parents, I want to do photography in year 12. And they said, well, how the hell are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to enrol in a CAE course over summer and live at my sister's place in the city so that I can do photography in year 12. And I did it and I blitzed it and I got an A+. Oh, well done. I know. (laughs) And so the school after the year 10 incident finished okay. Do you think? No? Where are we going? Where are we there? I think I kind of got to like, I got to a place of being okay, but I think it was really hard to go through high school and then not, not have that security of the kind of familiarity of having regular friends. You mean once you walked into the the world after school? Yeah, or changing and during, schools? I think. Yeah, when you yeah. move and you got to start again, and is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of fucked things up a little bit more for me. Yeah, were you like experimenting with like who who am I? Yeah. Which persona fits? So sort by of that I? stage, I was a goth. Yeah. the whole way through oh yeah starting year 10 where did the darkness come in yeah starting year 10 10. yeah yeah by year 12 absolutely black nails Uh, black hair black everything black everything yeah black friends yeah walked into year 12 and first day met this guy who had dropped out of school and decided to come back and he was the oldest, baddest guy in the whole school and he was going to be my boyfriend. And he was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was like, yeah, year 12. 
So I finished that and decided to, and I can't believe this happened, I decided to study music. Why can't you believe that happened? I just, because I wasn't focused. I was just like, you mean, I'm just going to do this thing and, you know, I didn't really try in year 12. Yeah, yeah. So you went to university to study music? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Which, which uni did you go to? La Trobe. Yeah. And is there a special name in the course? A Bachelor of Music with majors in audio engineering, acoustics and electronics and, and composition. And and, <laughs> and, uh, and so how long did that go for? Three years, I think. Yeah, and did you do well? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, great. Um. So you'd shed the skin of year 12 and you're feeling better in yourself? Yeah. I kind of found my place in the world, I think. Like I had some really good friends. I was singing in lots of choirs. I was really active in the community. Singing in choirs? Yeah. Like church? Sometimes, yeah. Cool. Good acoustics. Yeah. 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 I sang in a acapella gospel choir called Gossip. How good. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> a cappella. Yeah. So you all do different tones. Like you're all in different like there's no there's no music, it's you just backing each other up with like I know not beatboxes, but different coming in at different parts, right? Yeah. It's awesome. I, I, a cappella's awesome. Four parts. Yeah, cool. Totally amazing. And uh, and so we did you think once you finished university that you were going to go into a band style scenario? Like what did that look like? Did you, did you think or not? I knew I wanted to be an audio engineer. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, and I started working in recording studios. Like doing internship sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Shit kicker. Shit kicker during your time at school? Yeah, yeah. and then when I finished. And who was that? Oh, wow. I worked for my first job in audio was for a jingle production company called Jingle House and it was three brothers who had hocked their asses to build this business. They were paying me shit and they used to have fights all the time. They scared the shit out of me. Um, My friends used to call it Jingle Hell. (laughs) I got... I got sacked from that job when they ran out of money. Yeah. And one of my friends said to me, I think you've got PTSD. I didn't believe him. What, because it was just so ferocious? What year was that? In the 90s? That was probably by that stage, probably like 2002 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And... um, Maybe a bit younger. Why? Because they were just so... They were really violent? They were awful. Towards you? Yeah, to me and each other. Like it was so volatile. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah. I mean I learnt a lot but it was pretty traumatic. I think I was there for about two years. It was really hard. Why did you stay? Because you felt like you were somehow getting ahead? Yeah, I felt like I had to. Did you want to let them down? A little bit of that. But I think it's probably conditioning as well, you know, like I think I was brought up to be a good girl who didn't do, you know, who didn't stand up for herself but accepted what she got. 
And so they they went belly up. Which, yeah. Yeah. So then you were out of there and mm. you went to. Well, I was unemployed for a while and that is when I think my mental health really started to decline. So what happened was I had this experience and I was, you know, living out of home and I was quite young and I'd had a couple of relationships um, and was living, I think I was living with my sister at the time and I just decided to stop eating. And I didn't realise at the time, but the reason why I was doing that was to prevent feeling the way I did and to, you know, create some sort of control in my life, I think. And do you think this was brought on by, like, the continuation from year 10 to the abusive job to then having no job and feeling useless or were you doing drugs and drinking or what did you have any? Yeah, I think it was just the combined effect of the social situations I was in and also like my body was, you know, like by this stage I had a breast reduction when I was 25, I think. And so, I mean, they were so huge and I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm getting nowhere in my life, I can't keep a job, I can't keep a boyfriend, I'm just going to lose weight. And I did. And my breasts didn't get any smaller and I kept losing weight. And, yeah, I just didn't eat for maybe two years. So you must have been, uh, I mean, anorexic. Yeah. Yeah. And you must, if you didn't eat for that long, you must have been pretty close to doing some pretty bad damage to your organs and dying. I remember weighing myself and... I was 41 kilos. Yeah. And when I had a breast reduction, I had three and a half kilos taken off. So you can imagine that. So what, like 38 maybe. And um, and so how did you – like what really surprises me is like I, I know a lot of, you know, I know a lot of people who have been close to me who have had eating – disorders yeah. of some degree it's not it's a, so a, common yeah, it's so common yet not very everyone thinks it's well i don't it's not publicly talked about very often yeah but it's it seems to be around a lot what happened for you at the end of 2 years to make you want to was there an, something that happened in your mind or was it an outside no so what happened after then was that i'd spent all this time restricting food and building self-worth through anorexic behaviours and mindsets and over-exercising that I started binging. And then I was doing what I could to get the weight off. And so I went through that cycle for maybe another two years and then realised I need serious help. And it still kind of baffles me, the idea that I am the person who felt like shit so she decided she would get an eating disorder. Like I still am 
baffled by that concept because it seems so foreign to the person who I think I am. But it's the truth. Mm. Yeah, so I got outside help, which was amazing. And that's when I think I really started growing up. Yeah. And... Was that did, did you go like to a rehab or was it just like a gradual kind of a help? I went to a 12-step program mm-hmm. and I admitted I was powerless over food mm-hmm. and that my life was unmanageable when I did that stuff with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I, I believe that it's the most difficult uh, of all the abuse ways of abusing yourself um, to get over because say like if you've got a problem with drinking you just don't drink admit you're powerless and you know move on you don't have to drink again yeah but food you have to eat again yeah so that's a a big one to walk through because it's part of your life got to eat three times a day Mm. and i reckon every anorexic can do and say anything and justify anything. But we know if our mind is not focused on recovery and having balance and not using food in any way, whether it be to overeat or undereat, we can have three meals a day and it can look normal and it can be totally batshit. Hold on, you just confused me. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying you're tricking yourself or not tricking yourself? It's it's very easy for an anorexic or bulimic or food addict to yeah. trick themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Into thinking a certain type of eating is 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 acceptable. Yeah. 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 I I I see I see where you're going now. And abstinence is so complicated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Imperfectly perfect. Well, that's everybody. One day at a time. Everybody. <laughs> uh, you know, like the perception of everyone having a, I don't know, I, I think definitely some people have bigger wrestles than others, right? I'd say, I mean, like I feel like some people just kind of glide through life and I'm the one who just gets incinerated and annihilated and I have to pick myself back up again and really assess what's going on and humbly expose myself in every way and then I kind of change. God, it hurts. Growth hurts. <sighs> or, do you, but do, my, or do you think that people... Who you say just glide through? Yeah. Are they gliding, or are they, or are they just not, uh, you know, wearing their heart on their sleeve? Maybe. I don't know. I like, just because in see... the end we all die, right? And that that's a hard pill to swallow. No matter who you are, where you are, whatever you're doing during some point, you're going to have to contemplate the, the fleetingness of life, right? And you'll be touched by the death of someone that you love or loves, you yeah. know. So there's no clear passage of just, hey, I'm cool on this weird ball in the middle of fucking nowhere. (laughs) 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 Do, 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 do. You know, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 
I'd like to be one of those people who gives zero fucks, but I'm just not. Yeah. Well, it's hard to give zero fucks. Um, I suppose when you've overcome some afflictions mm. and got to know yourself better. Yeah. I don't know. You get better at detaching from certain things though. You know, like if you want to talk like you were saying before, you know, you can change yourself but it's very difficult to change anything outside of yourself. Sure. And so therefore sometimes I can use that as an excuse to give zero fucks about things that are happening on a global scale and I'm okay. just going to go and do me for a while. <laughs> That's a checkout. <laughs> uh, yeah, because if you put your head sometimes into other people's business or the world's business too much, you can cook yourself in a whole different way. Yeah, right. It's been curious that since I started studying and things have changed for me that my life has become a lot more insular. You mean lately? Yeah, the past few years. Okay, let's, hold on. We let's go back. Yeah. So that <laughs> <laughs> you, you seeked help and that was a, sl- a slow road out. Yeah, it was so messy. Like just years and years of tripping and falling and being healthy and thinking I could do it or thinking I didn't need the program or thinking I could use food and exercise in a certain way and really seeing that that's just different sides of a coin that, and that coin is obsession. Obsessive behaviour, you mean? Yeah. 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 You can see it in other areas of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember living in Sydney. I was um, got a job at SBS, and I moved to Sydney. So how long after this? This is like on the on the road out. You you, you went up to Sydney and. I think I was like 26 when I went to Sydney. So I had a breast reduction, and they took off three and a half kilos, which is just like, it's not glamorous surgery. It's just like majorly reconstructive and full on. Um, and it was just a few months after that, I think, and I got a job um, at SBS and I went for a full-time job with um, the team in Sydney over video conference and they liked me enough to offer me a casual job in Sydney but I'd never been to Sydney and I didn't know anyone in Sydney. And so I moved to Sydney within a week and started my job at SBS, <laughs> which lasted. Um, I think I got a transfer back to Melbourne about two years afterwards and stayed at SBS for 16 years. 16 years? Yeah. As a sound engineer? Yeah. And just slowly worked up the... The, the corporate chain? Well, I just did sort of different things, different roles. Uh, SBS had quite a bit of funding back then, so there was more money for for like recordings of international artists and uh, radio dramas, which was fun. Yeah, so you're doing a whole mix of things. Yeah. Pardon the pun. And... Um, who is who is some of your favourite? 
gigs that you got to? I just did such amazing things. Like I remember doing outside broadcasts. We went to Wome Adelaide one year. Uh, drove the truck to Adelaide. R- recorded radio dramas that were. I remember one was like radio written, plays. Yeah. Yeah. In different languages. I remember one playwright had written a, a radio drama in Filipino about uh, the martial law in the Philippines and it was just heartbreaking. I had so much fun doing that. Yeah. Um, and what about like bands? Yeah, a fair bit of live music. I used to work at a radio station in Collingwood called 3CR and so I volunteered at 3CR for about five years before I started at SBS but when I moved to Sydney obviously I had to stop doing that. And I used to do this program called Burning Vinyl on a Friday afternoon with my mate Matt. You had a slot? Uh, Three slots. Fuck, that's the dream. How good. Three bands a week. Coming into the multi-track studio, I remember one day my mate Matt, who I did Burning Vinyl with, he says to me, oh, he, like, he kind of said, I think we'd already had two bands in the two-hour slot and I was like grinding so hard to get it ready and I'm just like, you know, my ass is on the line. And he looked at me. We had like 30 minutes left of the program and he looked at me and he goes, do you reckon we've got time for one more band? And I was ready to say to him, look, dude, shit, like mm. – I- can't do that mm-hmm. and he goes um you might like this one and John Spencer Blues Explosion walked in the door and that's when I really shit my pants <laughs> I was just like oh my god I'm gonna record John Spencer now <laughs> awesome that's so cool yeah that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah so I did that for about five years and um, and so you stayed for 16 years with SBS? Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the 16 years? It was really interesting. I had – so I went through this process. I realised I wasn't passionate about doing sound anymore. I didn't think about it. I didn't look at equipment. I was just really kind of over what I was doing. I yeah, you're checking in and yeah, getting it done and right. checking out. Totally. Yeah. And it was unfortunate that the role at SBS was so diminished because of funding cuts and the way that SBS had changed in that time that the scope of my position was really compromised. And I knew I would be doing exactly the same thing, working till midnight until I was 75. And I just thought there's got to be more, like I have to do something different. So I did. And so, hold on. What? What's that's difficult to leave a job of sixteen years and step out into the dark again in a different field? Is this what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And so, what? Hold on. Before it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Had you fantasized about what this career move was going to be for years, or was it a just a light bulb moment? What happened was. I started chatting with one of my colleagues who I call my spiritual teacher and we would have... Your Eskimo. Oh, yeah. 
His name's Vlad Lajman. Or what, what? His name is Vlad Lajman. It's a great name. He's Bulgarian. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd have these chats in the middle of the night and we'd talk about the spiritual plane and how it functions and how to connect on the spiritual plane and he gave me a book called The Field Guide to Lucid Dreaming and we'd practice and he'd come and meet me at night. But not physically. No. Shout it up. Serious. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) What's the book called again? The Field Guide to Lucid Dreaming. Is it legal? Feels pretty good. It could be illegal. <laughs> yeah, okay. So what happened? I want this book. That's pretty amazing. Um, so we started having these chats and I just kind of... Chats? Yeah. Yeah. At work late at nine. And I just realised there was more to me as a spiritual and physical being. And so it was so strange. I had my 40th birthday and I went and got a Reiki healing done at my friend's Reiki school. And I lay down on the mat and I, had, I didn't know it at the time but I had like four Reiki masters working on me. And at the end, one of the women said to me, oh, did you like that? And I said, yeah. She goes, did you know what you were doing? I'm like, I was just lying there. She's like, you're a really strong channel. You need to study Reiki. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah. And she said, we've got a course coming up soon. We're going to invite you to do it. And when I did it. So hold on. Reiki's healing through energy without touching. Uh, you can touch uh-huh. or you can not touch. Yeah. And you can do it over distances as Like well. from here to New Zealand? Yep. Yep, okay. Just to get an idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that and, oh, you know what, even just talking about it, my hands start burning like I just found something and it switched something on in me and my teachers, when they were asking me about my life, I said, I know what I'm doing doesn't fulfil me. And I know there are things I don't want in my life, but I don't know what I want yet. And they said, just keep doing Reiki and you'll find out. And within six months, I'd enrolled to study hypnotherapy. And everything was... And where was that? So I looked at different courses and... um, there's a diploma course uh, and they were based in Sydney. So I did most of it over distances and then I, um, yeah, travelled to Sydney to study. Wow. Now, um, how long does it take to do? Uh, like hypnotherapy has to be it's a pretty sensitive, I would imagine, area Hmm. Is it how long is it that course? It was about a year. Yeah. So yeah. So just 
stepping out of this little bubble for a second. <laughs> and people I know think of hypnotherapy as like, now you're going to be a fucking chicken. But that's not really hypnotherapy, is it? That's like, that's Hey Hey Saturday, Red Faces hypnotherapy. Yeah. yeah. Hypnotherapy is uh, like changing the cognitive thinking uh, below your subconscious. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Am I in the right? Definitely. Okay. And is that through, um, do you, is it the clock thing where people look at a clock side to side bullshit? Yeah, generally no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You don't do the clock. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so you finished studying Not the Clock in Sydney. Yeah. And, did you do Reiki teaching, like learning as well or you just... I did my Reiki 1 and my Reiki 2. So Reiki 1 is like the hands-on version and Reiki 2 is the distant version. Wow. And I was studying hypnotherapy at the same time and I had... What else had I done? I was healing uh, with my friend. He works as a, a tantric energetic healer. So his name's Rod Gordon and he lives here in Torquay and uh, he was doing his tantric alchemy training and he said to me, hey, why don't you be my guinea pig? And I was like, yes, i got a lot of shit to get rid of. <laughs> so it felt like it was just like this time where I was studying hypnotherapy and doing Reiki and doing tantric healing and everything was just like tsunami of like... And that was my, like, metamorphosis of being a directionless, kind of aimless person who felt like there was more to a person where I went within six months, you know, kind of going, I think I like this thing and I think it kind of works for me to everything just integrating and changing. Do you say metamorphosis meaning like the caterpillar moment? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, definitely. Like, no, I feel more like it's kind of like, I feel like a phoenix, you know, like I just get incinerated and then I kind of rise back up again. And, um, and so now you've, you've left Melbourne. Yeah. And now you're comfortably living down on the coast. So beautiful. And you've fallen in love with surfing. Oh, pinch myself every day. <laughs> <laughs> And and you've built your own, like, uh, what do you say, Ther uh, practice? Yeah. So I opened my business, which is called Rest Easy Hypnotherapy. Yeah. And um, seeing clients and helping people change their lives, really. So do you, when you, uh, do you help people, is there, is there anything that you don't like, do you specify? What am I trying to say? Do you specify in a certain area, like smoking, or uh, or is it just like, hey, well, maybe you could help me with this? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it? Do you specifically have a, a region that you really think that you drive out harder than others? Or? Yeah, um, I think. I mean, I like working with people to lose weight and quit smoking, but addictions generally i think can i say something quickly yeah do you not do you, you're not supposed to say i'm i'm going to lose weight because the subconscious mind goes i'm going to go and find it very good it's so true <laughs> it's called body reshaping okay 
I'm not quitting smoking. I'm living smoke-free. Yeah, I'm living smoke-free. You're living smoke-free. That's right. That's so awesome. Look at all those days on the fridge. Oh, my God. Yeah. I stopped at the – it's more, but I couldn't be bothered doing a second row. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so Smoky I choose to live smoke-free, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like working with people who want to quit smoking or lose weight, but what I really love is working with people who have trauma and PTSD. PTSD is a big one for me. Now, PTSD can look like it doesn't – you don't have to have been to war to have PTSD. PTSD. I feel like no, like in my, like my personal experience of it is that, you know, it can be generated over time and people can have PTSD and trauma based on their reactions to experiences, not even just the experience that caused them the trauma. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> That if a person, so for imagine if a person had a traumatic experience in their life, yeah, and then they had a breakdown because of it, yeah, they can also have PTSD around their breakdown. Now, sorry, okay, PTSD mm. is a word that is post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah, but what does that materialize look like? Like, um, like I can't get out of bed, or I go. Um, I check the fridge door shut 30 times. Like what is it? I don't know what PTSD is. I think it kind of... Um, I hear a, a noise in the background and, you know, you know, you know what I mean? I think it manifests in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Some people get agoraphobia. Other people are just terrified in certain situations. Um, I can't make a choice. Yeah, definitely. Or, you know, get anxiety or start shaking or having a physiological kind of breakdown over a, a place or an experience that might re-trigger them. So for me, that was a really big thing. Like I felt I was so broken. There were so many parts of me that was having a hard time with that stuff, you know, and I look at, particularly traumatic experiences in my life and every day I couldn't shift past them. My memory of my trauma sat in my present so if you can think about your timeline and the past is behind you and your future is in front of you, my trauma sat in my present. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But can you have that as just like an annoyance? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. But when I did the trauma clearing exercises and it was performed on me, yeah. which has helped me to become a better healer, yeah. um, I had a full meltdown. Like I was crying and sweating and shaking and losing it. Yep. So that's more than an annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> it's very effective. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so here we are today mm. and you've made the big step out um, and it all feels it feels like you're in flow. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it feels amazing. Like yeah. there are some situations where I work with clients and I think, have I got what it takes? And then I just 
apply the tools and techniques that I was shown and taught and people change. And it's just tremendously amazing. How rewarding. It's amazing. I love it. It's just changed my life. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that because I feel like a wounded healer, because I, my previous experiences are so close, I remember what it feels like to be in these situations. I remember what it feels like to be a teenager and objectified and hypersexualized. I remember what it feels like to be a woman who was treated like shit probably because she made poor choices about the people she wanted to spend time with. But to have a critically low self-esteem and to choose to eat or not eat or do other things because that was what was going on. I know what it feels like to have PTSD. I know what it feels like to have anxiety and depression and to need serious help. And so... I think that helps me. A hundred percent because you're coming from a place of uh, authenticity. It's not, I I didn't read about this shit in a book. I've lived through this and therefore I have a better understanding of uh, how you're feeling energetically as opposed to a textbook and then looking at it in a human fashion. For me, there's a disconnect. Yeah. It's so, yeah. Yeah. Hats off. Thank you. Yeah, I just love it and I love my life and I get so excited at the idea of communicating these ideas to people and seeing them change and when they oh, – so many people come to me and they just so – you know, Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah they just – they kind of feel like it's their last hope. Like they don't know what else to do. Well, this is what I was going to say to you. It was like probably in your darkest moments, did you ever feel like checking out? I think that it's – I think concepts of suicide is – I never thought I wanted to kill myself but I think it's normal for a person to feel so completely overwhelmed that the brain wants to find something to – reduce that feeling to you know like oblivion is perfection in so many ways i love oblivion um so where i was driving at with that because i definitely have in my darkest moments uh (laughs) you know especially when i was younger sometimes that seems like a an easy way out Mm. and where i was driving at is is if you are listening and you're feeling like this, mm. that there is always a tomorrow. Yeah. And that you're living proof of that. Yeah. That if you just decide I am unhappy and I want to change, that you you can. Right? Definitely. And I had to really assess what I wanted. Like I think I was around about the age of like 38 And I felt like my life was falling apart and I felt like I was falling apart. And I knew that, like, I'd gone through a, you know, really, really tremendously bitter and lengthy legal sentiment from a relationship. Um, And I was like, 
you know, 38, 39 and, you know, the clock was ticking. And I had to really assess what do I want. And it's so funny when I studied Reiki, I met my higher selves and I've got two. And one, she's got grey hair and twinkling eyes and a square jaw and she sits out on Torquay Point. And she goes surfing with me. And the other one is dark, like really like angular face and really heavy and she's my shadow. And never once did any, either of them say to me, be a mum. They said, help heal people and you'll do it for the rest of your life forever and ever. So these essentially, like what I've heard of other people talk about before, your archangels? Yeah, they kind of feel like my guardian, my guardian angels, my higher self. Yeah. And can I just go again? You know DMT? Oh, yeah. Um, people say, I've never done it. Right. And, but, uh, you know, I like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, I don't do drugs anymore and people say it's not a drug, but nonetheless it feels like an escapism of some sort. And if you blast through on DMT, right. you, it puts you into this universe that everyone talks about and there are guides there. Yeah, they're, they're so there. So have you, have you done it? I've never done it. I but don't need to. you've heard this to the same you don't need to because you can do it naturally. But you've heard the same, right? Right. So people, as my friend put it the other day, are gate crashing the afterworld or whatever it is in the DMT. Right. That, you know, you the just, spiritual plane. The spiritual plane. I'm coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bang. <laughs> hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Show me what to do. All right. I'm not going to be a mum. I'm going to heal people. Um, so accessing similar things. Is mm -hmm. this what we're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just need to, to know. Right. <laughs> it's amazing and I get guided every day and I get to be more authentically me in every different way and I really assessed what is the stuff that is mine, what are my goals, what is society telling me I should do certain things, what are my parents or, you know, and I stripped everything away. I changed my job, I changed where I live, I changed what I do, I changed how I think change how I pray yeah I kind of feel like a phoenix so I think about this a bit right and I think yeah this is uh that's very brave one to do that and but uh like we are so fortunate in this where we live to have the opportunity to uh do such a thing yeah. I always think of people who are like in a third world country and on the lower end of the third world country who are stuck in there. Yeah. And they don't know anything or anything better. Like how does, you know, then there's such polarity here on yeah. earth that you just go, what the fuck? What it like, or is that, you know, I don't know. Is that that person's reincarnate of this time and they've got lessons to learn on a different plane? I don't fucking know. What am I even talking about? Mm -hmm. um, but do you know what I mean? Well, I kind of think about that too and I think that like, you know, material possessions don't mean anything. Sure, it's important for a person to have their basic needs provided for food, shelter, you know, hygiene, Yeah. right? But in some ways they've got the gifts that we don't have in the Western world. They've got community and connection and humility and openness and they're supported in different ways. And obviously the world is a very 
no, complex you're completely right. you're place. Completely right. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel proud that I can say that, and I'm privileged, but to be able to step back and go, you know, what does actually really matter? I don't actually need to have a house or a cute car or Someone sent a me family. this Steve Jobs thing the other day that he said from his deathbed. Do you see that one? What did Generally? he say? It was awesome. It was just like doesn't matter, you know, like it was, you know, whether you're wearing a $50 watch or a fucking Rolex, whether you were in first class or, you know, he just did all these comparatives and in the end you're dead, right? It doesn't, none of it matters. And he just went through what doesn't matter and what does matter in life from mm-hmm. a guy that had seemingly everything in a materialistic sense. Right. Stripped of it all at the end just to be on this human journey. It was a really like little, prof- I'll send it to you after. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was really cool. And someone sent it to me and I woke up and I watched it. And I was, I was like one of those ones that when you watch it, you go, oh, I need to watch it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I need to start my day with this kind of frame of mind. No. Um, but I, I only watched it once. But, yeah. It stuck with you though. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's just those things. It's just what you said then. It's not, you know, and it's hard sometimes not to think, to get caught up because we live in such a, uh, like, keeping up with the Joneses. Mm. Uh community you know yeah um but yeah super duper important that we stay on the physical growth not the material yeah it's just distraction well there's got to be both right well we've all got to live in a house i guess (laughs) i live with my parents (laughs) very proudly (laughs) that's nice well, it's nice to not have a lot of possessions and just to kind of go, well, what does actually really matter? And every day when I ask myself that question, I can more authentically put another foot in front of the other doing me. And that's nice. Yeah. And, and it's nice that you get to share this time with them because... Yeah. Know, totally. Life's short. In talking. Yeah. Pinching myself. Yeah. Every day. Surfing points. <laughs> Point danger, yes. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to say thank you so much. Thank you, John. No. Oh, we're not allowed to shake hands. We're not allowed to shake hands. All right, stay, stay the fuck there. <laughs> Thanks, Cara. Thank you. Well, there you have it. There was my conversation with Cara Bertrame. I uh, hope you enjoyed our chat. Um, and, and I hope maybe you learned something or, 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 you know, someone that could, you know, be, a, uh, that Cara could help somehow, you know, she's got, a, she got a lot to offer and, and she's a really, really good egg and, 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 and brilliant at what she does. And, and, and no doubt that, you know, we all know people who, who, who are on different journeys who, who, who need support in different ways. Um, you know, it might not be you, but it might be someone that you know. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. Um, whoever you are out there in the wide world, I hope you're having a, a nice day, night, morning, evening, afternoon. I just finished my morning coffee. It's always a, it's always a, it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling, you know, halfway through that morning coffee. Woo! Love it. Anyway, um, till next time. Be well. Adios.